0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope you're well today. Hope it's payday for you. It's travel day for me, and I'm behind schedule. You, know, you get up, and you get moving, and you start thinking about all the things you got to do, and you realize, oh, i got to get going. So I don't know how long we go today, but we'll, uh, we'll pack it all in. Uh, cool top ten list today. Of course, we'll preview the Arkansas Razorbacks. So I'll give you some updates on some things I've learned here as of late is it's uh, Arkansas Game Eve here in Starkville. A lot going on. A lot going on. And, uh, of course, the state picks up a new football commitment yesterday and a new baseball commitment. We'll talk about both in the final segment of the show. Uh, But, yeah, we got to get going, man. Got a lot going on. Got to get up to Arkansas. 11 a.m. kick. 11 a.m. kick for sure. Expecting a good crowd. I don't know how good it's going to be. I mean the thing you think about you know there's got to be a lot of pent-up demand they haven't had a chance to see the Razorbacks in Fayetteville for over a month there's a lot of people I'm sure have been looking forward to that I mean of course it's not that big a drive down to Arlington you know to go see those guys down there but uh but yeah reality of it is is there are a lot of people that just don't go to road games there are a lot of people that don't go to 11 a.m. games and so you kind of got to measure that, too, against the fact that they're 2-5. and five. And so I, I think it'll be a good crowd. Uh, I do, do I think it'll be capacity? No, not for 11 a.m. If it had been, you know, a 6 or 7 p.m. kick, yeah, I think it would have been packed out, even with a 2-5 and five record. I mean, I say packed out. It wouldn't be a capacity crowd, but it would have been, I think, a much better crowd for a night game. So I think in some respects we're kind of catching a break, getting an 11 a.m. kick on the road. Just maybe I'm wrong. But that's how I feel about it. So we'll see. So uh, if you're on the fence about going, we'd love to have you. Uh, If not, we look forward to you supporting us from afar. Mississippi State needs to win this ballgame. Arkansas needs to win this ballgame. And uh, staffers on both teams have come out this week and said, hey, this is a a must-win situation. So somebody's going to get their first SEC win of the year tomorrow, and somebody's not. Somebody's really going to be really up against it when it comes to bowl eligibility, and of course, yeah, you look at it, states three and three, they're two and five. There's a little more desperation, you would think, on their side. But I think if you're Mississippi State, you look by this whole thing and you start thinking to yourself, you know, how many more opportunities are we going to have to win a game on the road? Because we're going to we're gonna have to earn bowl eligibility on the road. Of course, you look at our schedule and you say, well, you know, that Southern Miss team doesn't look to be very good. Okay, so what are you counting besides that? So, you go and play a two and five team, you got to find a way to win the game. And this is a fan base and a team that needs something good to happen. Now, I uh, understand we are a little bit healthier. I do expect Woody Marks to travel, unless something changes today. How much he plays, I, I can't tell you. I, I know he wants to play. Uh, I know Woody Marks will not know. He wants to be out there with his team. He loves the game of football, he understands what's at stake. I know he wants to play. Uh, if he's medically cleared, he's going to play. Is he 100%? No. No. And I don't know what he ever is because he plays so hard, right? Uh, Demonte Russell is back. I understand that he's had a good week of practice, so we expect him to be back. Of course, we hadn't had him for a little bit. and So uh, that will help, you know, kind of getting him back. Uh, the Will Rogers situation, you know, I expect Will to travel. I don't expect Will to play. Uh, and And, again, here we are, you know, 24 hours away from kicking off. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. And I think it's a week-to-week deal from there. Uh, And and so, you know, we'll see how things progress. But uh, we're going to kind of outline the uh, Arkansas Razorbacks and kind of take a look at the season, kind of what's going right, what's going wrong for them. We talked a little bit about uh, close ball games, And, again, it does become a self-fulfilling prophecy. It just does. You start thinking, here we go again. Here we go again. You know, at some point somebody's got to make a play. In this league, people don't lose games to you. You've got to go win them. That's just how it works. You know, It's never a situation where like late in the ball game. it's like, well, they're going to turn it over on downs. No, somebody's got to make a play. The skill level is too high in this league to just sit back and hope somebody loses. There's so many times in our history that we have played not to lose and ultimately lost rather than playing to win. 2017 against Alabama comes to mind. But I think this is a Bulldog team that um, is healthier than they have been, as they should be after an open date. And, of course, you're able to rest some guys against Western Michigan. So, you know, we should be about as good a shape as you could expect us to be in, uh, all things considered. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Mike. You know, Mike Wright, obviously a uh, multi-game starter within the Southeastern Conference. has got some pretty big skins on the wall, too. So uh, I do think Mike's a starter tomorrow. I think we've talked about it all week. It's, again, it's not some, not breaking any news here. But I think it kind of changes the dynamic of what you want to do in a way that makes it difficult to prepare for Mississippi State. Because you've had the benefit of two weeks to prepare. It's not like that Will Rogers, you know, suffered a little bit of an injury yesterday. You know, this happened two Saturdays ago against Western Michigan. So State has had plenty of time to prepare. So we'll see what that looks like. You know, it's not like a normal situation where you find that, oh, we get in the training room on Sunday and on Monday it's like, hey, you're going to have to do this and you got four days to prepare. That's just not the case. So it's never a good time to have an injury to your quarterback. But if you're going to have one, having one before the open date is probably the best case scenario. And again, we wish Will the absolute best and in his recovery, and uh, we hope it's not something that uh, is long lasting. I've been told he will be back this year, just not sure when. So, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, I do expect him to travel, and I think it's invaluable to have Will Rogers on the sidelines, even if he's not available to play, just because of the fact I think you know Will's a guy that knows a team, also too knows defenses, kind of knows exactly what people are trying to do against us. So having him there as a resource would be uh, invaluable. All right, so uh, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. And I love them first, if we're going to be honest about it. Uh, I did. I loved them first. I was a customer long before they were a sponsor. But, man, I tell you what, it's been a great relationship. And uh, really, really excited about kind of the future, you know? I mean, if you think Bulldog Burger Company is done of expanding their empire, I think you're probably kidding yourself a little bit. I mean, these three great locations right now, of course, uh, Stark Vegas here on University Drive, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive, in the Ridge and Flowwood area. Hey, the takeover's real, right? And so I wouldn't rule that out, but I know this, we got three great ones that we can enjoy and go by and have those spring rolls as our appetizer, get that great restaurant quality hamburger, and of course that chocolate shake to go. Yeah, I... It depends on what I'm feeling, right, when I go in there. But the thing about it is there's so many great things on the menu. No matter what I'm craving or have a hankering for, I can get it satisfied at Bulldog Burger Company. It's not just about hamburgers, even though that's what they do best. You can go in there and have that BLT salad. I like it grilled. You may like it fried. We finally got that right, didn't we? I like those Sloppy Joe sliders. I like the sweet heat chicken sandwich. There's a lot to like at Bulldog Burger Company. Go by and find your own favorites and, again, be sure and get those spring rolls. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet M-E-A-T. All right, let's take a quick look at the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, we talked about series history on Wednesday, so we're not going to get into that today. Of course, Arkansas won 18-14-1 lead in the series. State has won eight of the last 11. Uh, but looking at this year's 2023 Arkansas team, you know, If you recall, when we first started picking games and picking teams, I had Arkansas sixth in the West this year. And then I got to thinking as we got closer to the season, I said, you know what, I think they'll ultimately beat Auburn. And then Auburn will be sixth and Arkansas will be fifth. And a lot of it had to do with K.J. Jefferson. Huge K.J. fan. Not just as a player, but as a person. Really liked him. You know, of course, we had a chance to interact with him during the recruiting process. Great young man from a great family, and happy to see that he's done well at Arkansas. I think he fits what they want to do perfectly, and they talk about the offense is kind of built for him. I don't know if that, I don't know if that's really been amplified the way maybe it should be. I know they're trying to kind of do some things around his skill set to make him get going. But um, we knew way back in the spring that this team would go as far as the very talented shoulders of KJ Jefferson could take them. We knew that was a rebuilt defense. Apparently they've hit on some guys in the portal. This defense has been good this year. Uh, And then in addition to that, we thought Rocket was going to be a big-time player and potentially challenge for the uh, SEC player of the year type honors. He was a preseason All-American, and he's got 91 yards, I think, on 34 carries. And uh, you hate that for a young man, uh, especially in, in, quote, the money year. Uh, to be less than 100%. He's not going to play this week. They say they he's out at least two to four more weeks. And I think if I'm his agent, I'm probably telling him, we just need to shut this thing down. But you hate it for the young man. And it's really kind of changed the complexion of things. Even with Rocket, I thought they were going to be a bowl team, but not a Florida bowl team. Now, without Rocket, you look at this and say, man, they played so well. Guys, you're two and five, right? You've lost five games in a row. I don't care who you are or where you're from. Your record is what you are. How many times have we dealt with that ourselves? It's like, man, we played really good here. Played, man, I wish we could have won that one, but we didn't. So how did we get to 2-5, and five, Arkansas? Well, you open up with a win over Western Carolina against the Catamounts. You expected that one to be, uh, you know, kind of a walk in the park, and that's the game that Rocket gets injured in. And he hadn't been the same since. They win that game 56-13. to And, uh, you know, it's like you can't tell anything about a team in a game like that, you just can't. But they won the game. We took care of business. And again, the concern right out of the gate is about Rocket, and that has lingered throughout the season. The next week, they take on the Kent State Golden Flashes. You may recall we uh, threw a no-hitter against them in baseball. This ball game was kind of weird. It's in Fayetteville, and again, it's the first game without rocket. And you think, well, that you know, they should be able to just kind of line up, even with uh, you know vanilla offense, and be able to win this game handily, but they didn't. Arkansas wins twenty-eight to six in this game, and uh, Kent State actually led early, but you look up there just uh, just before the half; it's a thirteen to excuse me, fourteen to six game in Fayetteville. And you know people up there are thinking, you know, what's going on with our offense? Are we really going to be that pedestrian with our rocket? They get it done, but it was not an impressive win. And you said, say, but, Steve, you know, it's Kent State. You know, yeah, they're one in six, guys. They're one in six. Their only win on the season is to Central Connecticut State University. Did you know that Central Connecticut State University had a football team before I just told you that? Yeah, chances are you didn't. And you look at these numbers, too. It's ridiculous. Like this Kent State game, right? They lose to UCF 56-6, lose to Arkansas 28-6. They beat the Central Connecticut State. I guess that's the Demons. And then they lose to Fresno State 53-10, Miami of Ohio 23-3. These guys can't score. But all of a sudden, you look up at the half in Fayetteville, and they're right there in the game. And I think in many respects, that may have been a harbinger of things to come. Again, you get to the Western Carolina game, I not be a little bit banged up, but there's not any real question marks. And you see Kent State, a team that uh, now in hindsight, even though this is a win, you look back and say it's even less impressive today than it was on September 9th. The next week, it's BYU. And, uh, man, KJ had a big game against him last year. But you look at it now, and it's like they lose that game 38-31 and Fayetteville. That's when I think most of us thought, you know, it'll be a competitive game, but Arkansas find a way to get this thing done. And it was a night game, you know. They had the big crowd, almost 75,000 people on hand. And, again, you look up at the half, it's 24-21. You're thinking, what's happened here? And then in the fourth quarter, Arkansas – excuse me, in the second half, Arkansas wars down, wears down. down. They score seven points in the second half and get outscored 17-7 to and ultimately lose 38-31. Have you kept up a BYU football this year? BYU football, have you? Have you, have you looked at BYU? I'm, just, I'm asking you, how many games have you watched a BYU this year? And you said, well, you know, Stevie, it was a great game between, uh, you know, a couple teams that, uh, you know, play hard, a very physical brand of football. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. You kept up with BYU football, though? They're 4-2 and two right now. And you start working through this thing here. They, you know, they opened up three and zero, including that win in Fayetteville, and ever since then it's kind of been you know hit or miss. They lost two of the last three. Lose at Kansas. They do beat Cincinnati. We won't go down that rabbit hole. And then they uh, they get beat pretty good by TCU. So kind of a, an average BYU team. And they go into Fayetteville and win. Um. Yeah, those are things you start looking about, and transitive properties don't really extend in college football. They don't because it's all about matchups, right? I mean, you may match up differently with another with an opponent than than say Arkansas does. You know, everybody's got different skill sets and offensive and defensive philosophies. So, football is about matchups. And for some reason, Sam Pittman likes a matchup against LSU. We've talked about that when it happens. For some reason, Sam gets these guys up to play, and they feel like they can beat LSU, and they have. In, in the three years he's been there, they, they have. But every game has been very competitive. If memory serves me correct, I think every game is within a score in the Sam Pittman era. And it shouldn't be that way. I mean, let's just be honest about it. If you look at the, at the Cadillac way that LSU recruits, LSU – And all due respect to Arkansas, despite their resources and Tyson Chicken and Walmart and all that good stuff, LSU should have a talent differential over Arkansas because of the way they recruit, period. But for some reason, Sam is able to to kind of make this thing work. Again, it's about matchups. And I think a lot of it's because Arkansas and LSU do a lot of similar things. And I think Sam is like, you know what? I know what they want to do because we do some of the same concepts and here's how we stop it. But uh, for whatever reason, they do a good job there. And it hadn't been really the case with A&M. They lose to a in Arlington again. And I thought Arkansas might be able to get them. I did. I thought they might be able to do it. But 34-22 loss there. They go to Oxford. Many of you watched that game. I watched it too. I think it's the first time I've watched them misplay play this year. And uh, I was calling the Hogs in the bedroom. And apparently they didn't hear me and Kemp a little bit short. But I thought the way they managed this game was really smart. Let's just kind of eat up some clock. Let's get behind our offensive line that was kind of revamped. And uh, they're having some struggles, especially in pass protection, for sure. Having a ton. Um, But they can run the football a little bit, even without Rocket. But um, you look up here at the plays, Arkansas ran 68, Ole Miss ran 70. And Arkansas penalized ten times, and a lot of those were pre-snap penalties, of course, with that kind of new look offensive line. And I don't know if it's just a matter of just, uh, you guys fighting for a job or just a little bit anxious in the moment, but they had a ton of pre-snap penalties in this ballgame. And, of uh, course, they end up changing, going back to the original offensive line and come up just short, 27 to 20. Of course, Arkansas had a chance to climb in there, make it really interesting late, and K.J. threw a pick but uh, arkansas was in it man it was a 10-7 game and then 17-7 arkansas scores in the third quarter and uh you get a couple field goals and all of a sudden you're in striking distance you think i hey, mean this this is a real thing here right i mean 17-13 you're, you're a possession away and it just felt like if arkansas could ever get the lead they might be able to hang on to it but uh old mess just simply had uh more weapons to work with and then there's last weekend's game at alabama uh, again, I, I thought Arkansas kind of sleptwalked through this game early. I don't know if you had a chance to go back and watch it. You know, K.J. basically kind of put that team on his shoulders in that second half and said, you know what, guys, we're not going to lose. Well, they did, but K.J. kind of took over. And uh, early in that ball ballgame, you know, they had some sustained drives, just couldn't finish, and had to take a couple field goals there. And so it, it's, a, it's apparent that Dan Eno skipped it out some things pretty well early in the game. But as those drives got a little bit deeper in Alabama territory, uh, they weren't able to get it done. You know, they just simply weren't able to get, uh, to get, get into the end zone. And, and that's the thing. You're not going to beat Alabama with field goals, right? You've got to be able to put points on the board because you have those two sustained drives. You get two field goals. You're feeling good. Okay, we belong. We're in it. And then they hit a 79-yard touchdown pass. And now they lead. It's like everything you've done, okay, we've got this great game plan, everything is great, and I don't care who you are, there is going to be a little bit of a uh, you know, a setback emotionally when that happens. And the next thing you know, you look up, it's 21-6. to six. As well as you played in the first quarter, you played equally as bad in the second. And dug yourselves a hole that was almost insurmountable to dig out of. And, of course, uh, give Alabama some credit for taking points early in that third quarter to make it a three-score game you know, with the field goal to make it 24-6. to And then K.J. kind of got moving and made some things happen. Of course, uh, you know, the big drive in the fourth quarter, and they ended up uh, ultimately going for two to pull within a field goal and had a chance late. And now the Alabama defense just, you know, stood up and said, "Nah, we got it from here. But uh, that's the schedule so far for them. Of course, uh, they'll get a week off next week. And then they'll head to the Swamp for their final road game of the year. And they close at home with Auburn, FIU, and Missouri. And, again, you're 2-5. and So, essentially, you have one game to work with. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid. That was, like, the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And if you love the Filet-O-Fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. As good as Florida has been in the swamp and as beat up as Arkansas is, would you really take Arkansas against Florida in the swamp right now? If you had to make a bet, I think you're taking the Gators. And if you don't think that looms large in the mines of uh of arkansas fans players and staffers i think you're kidding yourself a little bit they understand listen hey they could go beat auburn fiu and they could get missouri and as well as missouri's playing right now i don't know that you would take arkansas but i think you look at that trip to the swamp and you think okay well that's we got one game of margin for error and in two weeks we go to the swamp that's probably a loss so you can't look to absorb one here. So this is going to be their Super Bowl. And, again, all week long, Sam Pippen and the guys said, hey, listen, we're not going to back away from it. We understand what's expected. And he said, hey, my, my kids understand why I put that on them. It's like I just feel like you got to be direct with people. And uh, I like Sam Pittman. I, I, I absolutely do. And every year that we, we cover Arkansas and I watch his press conferences, I think he's very engaging. I think that he is a guy that articulates his points well, but he's got a little bit of that Southern charm about him, so he kind of feels like he's your, he's your Uncle Sam, you know, not from the federal government, but maybe Uncle Sammy, you know, that wears overalls and goes coon hunting and things like that. I mean, he's just he's very folksy. He's also a good football coach. I know Arkansas fans are a little bit disappointed with how things have gone the last couple of years, but a lot of that's because last year K.J. was banged up during the middle stretch of the year, and now here you are Rocket Sanders. But uh, this Arkansas defense played much, much better. Much, much better. So I'm interested to see kind of how we attack this group. A couple of good defensive ends, for sure. Landon Jackson was your SEC Defensive Player of the Week, and that kind of came out of nowhere. He's been a good player, but he hadn't played that well. And to stand up and do it the way that he did uh, against Alabama, that is to be commended. I don't know how anybody could look at that and think anything otherwise. I mean, that's that's a great game, and you know that kid's going to come in here with a lot of confidence, kind of understand what's on the line this week. I mean, it's Sam Pittman's fourth season, and I've read some people out there suggesting that perhaps Sam will be fired if they don't make a ball game this year. I don't know that I agree. And I don't know that that's the right move, to be honest with you. I I, I don't. I think when you you look at what's fair, and, of course, if you don't win enough, it doesn't matter uh, what's fair. But when you start running through this and you consider – you know, the injuries they've had to deal with. And I understand injuries are part of football, and it's your job to build out. I just – I don't know if you can run Sam off this year, even if even if it goes in the tank. I mean, like, let's say they go three and nine. I'm bringing it back. I'm, it's just I, – I, I don't have any emotional uh, investment in Arkansas, but I'm just going to tell you, if that were me, I, I think Sam Pittman may not have been the best of hires, but I think Sam Pittman is getting an awful lot out of this football team. And, of course, I don't follow them as closely as other people do. But, I don't know, I'd like to, I'd like him to stay in a conference. And um, I'm sure there's some Arkansas fans listening and say, well, Steve, you're just saying that because you want Arkansas to remain mediocre. That, not really, you know, not not really. I mean, I don't want you to hire Houston not back, you know, because he owned us. But uh, I, I just think you know, when you look at the totality of things, I think maybe – You know, and Sam's had some extensions. You know, not that finance has ever been a problem at Arkansas. I just think it's one of those deals where I think if you stick with them, you're going to be okay. All right, looking at the numbers here. uh, Offensively, Arkansas has scored 209 points this year. So they're averaging, uh, was it 29.9 points a game? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they've allowed 176. So they're giving up at 25. So a lot of these games are close, kind of indicative of what we've talked about a lot of these games have gone down to one score pretty interesting stat here 54 points off turnovers for arkansas so we've got to make sure we take care of the football they've been outgained when it comes to first downs arkansas has gotten 126 a lot 133 most of theirs coming via the pass did you expect that end of the year third down KJ has been pretty good you know but 64 passing 51 rushing i think if beginning of the year when you looked at these numbers, you would probably be surprised to see it skewed more towards the passing side. On the ground, Arkansas has run for just 769 yards. I think a lot of that, too, is you don't, they don't want KJ running too much. And I get that, too. They've been outgained 933 to 769. That's your net rushing, averaging 109 yards a game on the ground. I would have expected that number to be over 200 back in the preseason. Uh, passing yardage uh, as, a, as a staff here, 1,478 yards, and opponents 1,526. So you can see this Arkansas offense having some real challenges. Total offense, 2,247 yards. Total offense, they have allowed 2,459. They have run 451 plays, though. Opponents just 438, but uh, averaging just over 320 yards a game. Uh, let's get into some more individual stuff here. This Arkansas team has been penalized a good bit, too. And a lot of that old Miss game, you know, basically that, that's just kind of a chemistry and cohesion issue of moving guys around on the offensive line. That's what you'd expect. Uh, what's crazy, too, we talked about how good the specialists are, of course, you know, Cam Little is a non-commodity, but uh, they got this kicker out of Arkansas, I mean, out of uh, Australia. And got him to go to Arkansas. Quite a, quite a culture shock. But he says that Sam Pittman has changed his life. And I think he's changing things, too, for Arkansas. 48.5 yards per punt. Did you know that? It's ridiculous. All right, sacks by Arkansas. They have uh, rushed the passer and had 21 sacks on the year. They've allowed 27. And uh, a handful of those came last week against Alabama. How about that? Field goal attempts, Cam Little is 11 of 12. They've had one onside kick and didn't get it. Red zone scores are really, really good in the red zone. And you'd expect that, you know, when you've got a dual threat guy like KJ. Because he, he keeps you honest, right? 22 of 23 possessions have ended with scores, 16 of those touchdowns. They haven't missed a PAT, in their 2 of 3 and two-point conversions on the year. Arkansas, quarter to quarter. We talked about... Earlier this week, how important it is to win the first quarter. The last five years, four of those five times, the team that trailed after one lost the ball game. The one exception, the teams were tied. So a team that has trailed has not won the game. Now you look at Arkansas's numbers here, the first quarter has been their most productive quarter from a scoring efficiency standpoint. 61 points out of the 209 coming in the first quarter. Opponents just 44. Now, it kind of flips in the second quarter, and maybe that's a time of possession thing. You know, who knows? But 51 points for the opponents, and then just 44. And then in the fourth quarter, Arkansas has been really good in the fourth quarter. 57 points scored, uh, 37 allowed. And, of course, some of those came last week against Alabama. I'm sure they wish that I had some against BYU. But 61 points in the fourth quarter, the most productive quarter for Arkansas. So if, if we can get out of that, in the game, within the game, if we can get out of the first quarter with the lead or even, you like State's chances. Because in the middle of the uh, ball game, they've been you know a little bit more mediocre. Uh, rushing numbers this year, too. Like the, the the best rushing game they had on the season was BYU. Uh, once we get into SEC play, things have changed considerably. You had the big game against LSU, obviously. But just 42 yards rushing against Texas A&M. Just 36 yards rushing against Ole Miss. And and then 100 last week. So they're not running the football with that same proficiency. They're going to have to throw it a little bit. Now, our secondary is certainly conducive to the forward pass, right? I'm sure they're thinking, hey, let's just throw the football a little bit more. Uh, Last week, really not quite as much uh, offense for them, obviously, until late in the ballgame. Just 14 of 24 for 150 yards. But when you look at total offensive numbers, it just hasn't been one of these things you look at and, and you get ultra excited about. You know, I'm sure Arkansas fans are kind of on the, on the fence about all this thing with Dan Enos. But uh, I think a lot of it's just you, you, you change philosophy so much since he's left. You've changed your personnel a little bit. I don't know that he's got exactly who he wants or what he wants. But uh, it's all very interesting start looking inside of these numbers, and you begin to see why Arkansas fans are upset, and you get to see why they're not finishing ball games. This is because of the offensively they're not able to get uh, to make plays. It's been a much different deal in defense. They're much improved. Much improved. All right, let's get these individual numbers here. That's what you really want to see, right? Who does Steve – who do I have to look for? What number is he? Well, I don't know about the numbers, but let me just tell you this. So, A.J. Green's been their leading rusher. And uh, 239 yards, but he hadn't played as much. Now, to Sam Pittman said earlier this week that uh, they do expect Green and DeBengen to kind of share carries, and so there will be a lot of that this week. Of course, Rocket and and again, man, God bless the kid. 94 carries, just 91 yards in three games, and uh, again, it's supposed to be the money year for him. But they don't have a running back average in more than 35 yards a, uh, a game. K.J.'s only averaging uh, 23 a game. And a lot of that's just not necessarily designed quarterback run, just K.J. going and making a play. But we do expect to see Green get more work this week. He has been the most explosive back. What's interesting, just 38 carries, and DeBinion has 65. And DeBinion's a guy that fights really hard in the red zone. You know, so you'd expect him when they get down a little bit closer, he's probably a good companion back for K.J., But A.J. has been a little more explosive. And, of course, one carry for 55 yards for Green makes up uh, nearly 25% of his production. When you begin to add in the other 37 carries, the numbers aren't quite as good. But he does have some explosiveness that perhaps DeBinion doesn't. K.J. has done all but two passes this year. Jacoby Criswell had the other two. Uh, But K.J., 124 of 188. Six interceptions, 14 touchdowns. Averaging just uh, over 207 yards through the air uh, per game. Leading receiver has been Andrew Armstrong, 39 grabs on the year. There's really not anybody else even close. And he has four touchdowns, 485 yards of receiving. So, you know, you start looking at this thing and you're thinking, hey, Florida International's coming up, and you got the potential to have a 1,000 yard receiver. And listen, I know they're a game ahead of us, but you start looking at that and you begin to realize, you know, hey, you got some chance. Uh, Isaac Tassel is the guy that made some plays against Ole Miss, if I remember correctly, and uh, he's got 19 catches, and then Luke Haas with 16, and he's only played in five games. So this Arkansas offense, in many respects, is just not really firing on all cylinders anywhere. Only three receivers with more than, uh, you know, 10 catches on the year. Not what they, people expected. Uh, Isaiah Satania. Caught his first touchdown pass last week. He's also a kind of a uh, nifty punt returner for them, and I do think uh, special teams is going to matter in this ballgame. I think it, I, I suspect it's going to be a lot closer than many people expect. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, former LSU Tiger Dwight McLaughlin leads the team with two interceptions. Returns 31 yards there. Hudson Clark, feel like a guy's been there forever. Also has a pick. Uh, as a team, Arkansas has picked it off seven times. And they've thrown six. So, plus one there uh, for the Arkansas defense. Uh, fumble returns, interesting. Arkansas is not putting the ball on the ground much. Arkansas has forced and recovered four fumbles uh, on the season. And opponents have turned it over, uh, has recovered just one Arkansas fumble. So, you start thinking about ball security. You start thinking about special teams. Uh, it's, it's interesting. And, again, you start getting inside the numbers, and you get out of the emotion of it all. It's like, oh, we got to go on the road in the SEC. We're sure to lose. And you start looking at these numbers, and you begin to realize it's going to take a pretty special day for somebody to win this game because neither of these teams are great. Neither. Now, Arkansas seems to have a ton of confidence. And uh, Sam Pittman does a good job getting those guys to kind of hold the rope if we talked about before. But uh, we got a shot. We do. Now, Jaheem Thomas. Very, very impressive. Uh, 69 tackles on the year. Leads a team. Six and a half of those for loss. Three and a half sacks. Got a couple of uh, pass breakups. Quarterback hurries. They like to bring him on the blitz. He wears number 28. Chris Paul Jr. split into just six games. Got 37 tackles. And Jaden Johnson also with 37. Landon Jackson had 11 tackles last week, which skyrocketed him up the leaderboard at Arkansas. He now has 30. And, again, 11 of those just last week. So maybe kind of figuring some things out. And We talk about Hudson Clark, 28. But outside of that, it's just kind of been by committee. I mean, you know, you just haven't had the big breakout game. Eric Gregory is a guy that a uh, very talented player, plays on the interior, just 12 tackles so far. But a lot of times he's just trying to occupy, right, trying to get in there just kind of make a mess in the middle, let somebody else make a play. Uh, he is a guy that can get to the quarterback a little bit. And a lot of times just kind of – making people uncomfortable it's going to be interesting to see how we attack this do we do a bunch of sprint outs there's a lot of rpo stuff i don't think we let let mike sit back there in the pocket a lot that's just my honest opinion do you remember mississippi, former mississippi state commandment ladarius bishop remember him from smack over high school if memory serves me correct he flipped to arkansas uh played in seven games he's got one tackle And so, I don't know if we lost in that deal or not. I know that he was a guy that uh, played for a while and got a little bit banged up, but uh, not much is happening uh, with him. Cam Little is an absolute stud. There's no question about that. And uh, so, I think, you know, the potential for kickoff returns is somewhat diminished. I I just don't expect um, this Arkansas special teams group to give us a whole lot. And uh, I think that's – you know, we have been really good this year, but I think their, their specialists are a little bit better, especially at punting. Not that we haven't been effective, but, uh, you know, Fletcher seems like a guy that can flip the field. So, I'll give you my pick later in the game later, – later in the show. But I just wanted to kind of outline kind of how they got to where they are and kind of explain some of the angst the Arkansas fan base. And, again, until you really get into it, you look at it and say, well, they're 2-5, and five, man, but they're playing Well. I think when you look inside the numbers, you realize this is a team where so many things are a struggle. There's just so much that's a struggle for Arkansas offensively. The defense has kind of kept them in some games, at times giving them the short field. But offensively, they're a team that's just very, very inconsistent. All right, time for today's top ten list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. Look no further than Blair for all of your mortgage needs. Now with Priority One Mortgage, this is a guy that knows how to get things done. 22 years of experience in the industry can help you navigate through the labyrinth that exists because of underwriting. Things can get complicated. It's good to have a professional and the know-how to get you to the closing table. Visit him at closewithblair.com or... Give him a text or call today on his personal cell phone, 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. And uh, the the main thing, too, guys, things are changing. You know, we mentioned uh, the new law in Mississippi that enables a parent or older person, grandparent, whatever, uh, to uh, co-sign for a young person looking to get a head start in life. Uh, so that's uh, a possibility for you, too. If you're considering doing that, Blair can uh, help you with that. Again, that's ClosedWithBlair.com. All right, Stephen hits us up and says, Hey, Steve, how about your favorite horror movies? And uh, I, I, here's my take on it. I wanted to make it music-related. We do have a couple of covers involved here. But it's uh, some rock songs from some amazing films over the years. You ready for that? You good with that? Well, that's what we're going to do. And not all these are necessarily horror films, but they're just kind of scary. But they're films that we all love. All right, number 10. Way back from 1978, the original Halloween with Michael Myers. You know, that's a franchise that uh, endures. It's Blue Oyster Cult's Don't Fear the Reaper. Number 10, anytime we can get some cowbell on the list, we should. And for all of you young bucks out there, I didn't say, Stephen, I know what you're talking about. When we do the uh, I Got a Fever and the only prescription is more cowbell, that's the SNL skit where they're uh, pretending to be Blue Oyster Cult and uh, recording Don't Fear the Reaper. Legendary. All right, number 9, a band that I love. I've seen multiple times. I think Gavin Rossdale is an underappreciated musical genius in many respects. He had a great song on the American Werewolf in Paris remake. And uh, the movie itself was just kind of okay. But the great song Mouth from Bush was a part of that. It's transformation scene. Uh, and anytime we can get Bush on the show, it's always good. All right, number eight. Kind of a hidden gem here, and uh, I don't know that a lot of people would have this on their Pantera Top Ten. I didn't, but man, this is a great track. It's actually from the motion picture soundtrack from The Crow with Brandon Lee, and uh, God rest his soul, man. You know, Those of you that haven't seen the movie, uh, The Crow is fabulous, but Brandon Lee was shot and killed during the production of that movie. Uh, they thought that they had a blank in the gun. They didn't he gets shot and dies. Of course, Brandon Lee, the uh, the son of Bruce Lee, arguably the greatest martial artist that's ever lived. It's a, cra- a song from Pantera called The Badge. Be sure and check it out. I think you'll enjoy that one. Uh, really true to the Pantera sound. Number seven, this is a cover because uh, I don't like the original as much, even though it was kind of uh you know, one of those songs in The Lost Boys that we all kind of thought, hey, this is super cool, because you hear those angelic voices, you know, saying cry little sister. It was covered a few years back by a band called Seasons After, and their version of the song is much better than Gerald McMahon's. And all credit to Gerald for for pinning this great song. He just didn't have the pipes to maybe bring this thing out like Seasons After. So it's Cry Little Sister, and uh, again, a cover of the great, the theme, I guess, Theme song of The Lost Boys. Uh, one of the greatest movies of my generation, The Lost Boys. And I guess maybe in many respects, I am a lost boy. I don't know. Number six, and listen, I brought this in because, number one, it's Friday the 13th. But um, it's also Alice Cooper. Now, the song doesn't really hold up. At the time, it seemed so great. I think maybe it's because of the cinematography that was in the, the, um, the video because they had like footage from the movie. But uh, it was when Jason came back, and it's the song He's Back. I mean, it's kind of Alice Cooper doing some synth pop stuff. Again, it doesn't really hold up, but uh, it's true to the movie itself. And the movie was amazing. It's one of the first rated R movies I was able to go to uh, without any issue, right, as a young person. It used to be a big thing. You know, Back in those days, I mean, they'd have somebody standing there watching, uh, watching at the door to make sure that teenagers didn't sneak into uh, rated R movies. Nowadays, I mean, you can just get whatever you want on the Internet. But Alice Cooper's He's Back, The Man Behind the Mask, number six. Number five, a band that was... A lot of people expected some big things to happen with this band. It didn't really work out, but they did the entire motion picture soundtrack to Trick or Treat. Uh, That's a horror film that featured Gene Simmons and a cameo from Ozzy Osbourne. It's a band, Fastway, and the title track, Trick or Treat. Uh, There's some really good rock on there. It's very 80s, right? It doesn't doesn't hold up in a lot of respects. But uh, Fastway, again, a band that... You know, Pete Way, incredible. But um, maybe check that out. It's a band that I wanted to kind of put on the list today. Now, the top four, all going to be bands you know, going to be songs you know, from movies you know. Number four, from the Stephen King classic, Pet Sematary, and they're rebooting this for a new generation. I may go see it. We'll see. We'll see. But it's the Ramones Pet Cemetery. They actually had two songs on that soundtrack. They also had Sheena is a Punk Rocker. If you remember when Gage got ran over, the guy driving the van, that's what he was listening to. Sheena is a punk rocker. But uh, Pet Cemetery, I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. That's a theme song from that great movie, from the Ramones. Number three, the Hellraiser series, man. That, that was one of those things too. Horror movies were huge when I was a teenager. Huge. You know, it's like it seemed like every year we got a new Halloween or a Friday 13th or a Nightmare on Elm Street uh, or Hellraiser. And um, Motorhead uh, at Hellraiser 3 sings the song Hellraiser on the motion picture soundtracks. There you go, Motorhead getting a Lemmy reference. And again, God rest his soul. Uh, our friends in Storage 24 recently played the Whiskey a Go-Go. Uh, and opened for a band called Flaw, you may be somewhat familiar with. And uh, Fred and the guys went out to California, played a show. Matter of fact, you go look at their social media, it's kind of lighting up a little bit from people in California that got a chance to see Jackson, Mississippi's own Storage 24. And while they were there, they went and ate lunch at the Rainbow. And uh, Fred even posted a picture of the uh, statue of Lemmy, because Lemmy was a regular at the Rainbow. All right, number two, another cover song. It's actually a cover of an Alice Cooper track from the movie Shocker. If if you've never seen Shocker, it's kind of a silly movie, and many horror films were. But uh, basically, it's a guy that uh, survives the uh, electrocution of a death sentence and then becomes this uh, supervillain. And they covered No More Mr. Nice Guy. And actually, I think uh, as great as the original is, I think Megadeth's rendition of that song is really, really good. That's why it's number two on the list. Number one, though. Because you know that 80s metal is, uh, is near and dear to your good friend and host's heart. It's Dawkins' Dream Warriors, which was the uh, theme song of Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Patricia Arquette was in the film and uh, had a chance to meet Don Dawkins here before the world went crazy. And uh, we talked a little bit about some of their history. And that's one of the things that he mentioned, is that a very young Patricia Arquette, before anybody even knew who she really was, uh kind of debuted in the dream warriors video and uh kind of crazy to see how far things have come for her in her career but dream warriors and uh, that great guitar from george lynch of uh, ultimately on that album uh this song made the move from the motion picture soundtrack to the back for the attack album which is my favorite docking album of all time i think from start to finish it just holds up better than anything else they did nothing against Tooth and Nail, even though I think the production value on Tooth and Nail is um, a, pr- a little bit basic. Of course, that was the second album from Doc, and I don't think the record company threw enough money behind it. Production value got better, as did the songwriting on Underlock and Key. But then Back for the Attack came and uh, from start to finish. It's absolutely phenomenal. Starting with Kiss of Death, going all the way out to Mr. Scary. And uh, Dream Warriors, of course, appears on that album. So that's your top ten list. So, Stephen, thanks for the suggestion. As... Uh, Rock goes horror, and uh, I know many of you. To these days, I, there's a band that I don't really like, and uh, a lot of it's just because of the fact that uh, I don't know. It was interesting in the beginning. A band called Ice Nine Kills. Like everything they do, is based. They write songs on horror movies, and uh, they did a little meet and greet here as of late. They've done their own kind of movie. Uh, they've got a huge following. It's not really my thing, even though I think the guys are especially talented. It's just the lyrical content. just doesn't appeal to me. But they have built a career uh, around writing rock songs and metal songs uh, that are inspired by movies, whether it be the shower scene or anything like that. I mean, it's just kind of what they do, and uh, it's a little bit hokey to me. But uh, you may like it, so I just wanted to mention those guys as somebody when we're doing our Rock Goes Horror uh, list. And uh, Roy will have this up for you on Spotify today. You can find it... Under his handle, dogmatic67. That's d a w g m a t i c 67, and you can also find him on Twitter. The best way to get his suggestions is to hit Roy up. Uh, I get a lot of notifications and I don't always see them, and that's not a, a weird flag. So I'm just kind of telling you the best way to do it is to send it to Roy. But you can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. Thanks so much for your support of the top 10 list. Appreciate so many people that come up to me. Hey, book signings and appearances and say, hey, Steve, I love the top 10 list. I've got other people that say I always fast forward through I'm not a music guy. That's cool, too. My feelings aren't hurt, but it, I think it's one of the things that makes us a little bit different. And so I uh, appreciate, again, your support of the top 10 list. Low these many years. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. Campus Bookmart's been around forever and a day, man. You know that Miss Kathy Brown went to some uh, horror films in her day, you know it. And uh, now she's arguably the best buyer when it comes to Mississippi State merchandise in the country. The most extensive selection of Mississippi State merchandise, only available at Campus bookmark Next time you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces. Neatly positioned on the backside of campus, you take that turn off 182 at the Trooper Station, follow it on around, it winds up right there on the left hand side, just before you get to campus, is Campus Bookmart. Go in. And find some things to outfit your family, your home, your pet, your RV, your office, whatever you need They can help you find anything Mississippi State-related. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 and Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BS. all right let's take a look it's a limited schedule in the southeastern conference this week so i'll give you my picks i I think it's going to be a very entertaining uh, weekend of college football in many respects all right, so, of course, Mississippi State and Arkansas, we are the long 11 a.m. game. We will be on ESPN. There are some tickets still available if you're on the fence about going. Again, I don't I don't know what to expect from that crowd. I do think it will be bigger than the average 11 a.m. game. I don't think it will be anywhere close to what you normally see, you know, in an afternoon or a night game uh, at Razorback Stadium. I think some of that, too. I think some people are just kind of getting ready for basketball. But uh, State and Arkansas, Arkansas, I saw an opening point spread, like nine and a half and now it's down to around six uh so some money coming in on the bulldogs and i, I don't necessarily understand why uh but uh, I, I do think state covers i think we're going to have a tough time winning i'm actually picking arkansas to win and it pains me to say that because i do think this is a winnable game for us i just think when you look at the fact that number one state has had so many issues on both sides of the football arkansas is much better and more complete on defense and I think defense is what ultimately wins this game. I think special teams are really good for both teams. I would give Arkansas a slight nod in that respect. And so when you start breaking everything down and you factor in that State's likely starting Mike right at quarterback, nothing against Mike, but uh, it's almost like week one, right? You got to go back and you got to figure some things out. Now, the good thing is Mike is not a newcomer to starting games in the Southeastern Conference. So I do expect a really close game. Um, And again, I think State's capable of winning this thing. I'm certainly hoping State wins the game. I just really struggle to think when you begin to break down how even these two teams are uh, and the fact that defense and special teams kind of favors them, I think State's going to need probably a non-offensive touchdown to win this game, whether it be a pick six or a scoop and score. I think you're going to need the defense to help in many respects, and that has been a real challenge. And offensively, State has gotten better. And then all of a sudden, you look up and now – will rogers is banged up and so while i'm hopeful i'm just not optimistic all right tennessee at alabama i just don't know what to think about this alabama team and uh, again i thought tennessee would be the second best team in the east they are i thought they'd still be better you know, and alabama again every week we just say ah oh, you know alabama this and alabama that they just keep finding a way to win they're not winning with many style points and, of course, after what happened last year with Hendon Hooker, uh, you know, the big, big drive late in the ball game to beat Alabama, you know that Nick Saban and those guys really want it because they never lose to Tennessee. And here, but here they are. And they're going to Tuscaloosa. And I think this Alabama offense at times is very pedestrian. I don't think they have the offensive skill they ordinarily have. And Milroe, of course, is kind of making some plays when it breaks down and becomes backyard football. I do think Tennessee has the athletes to run with Alabama on defense. Uh, But I think this is going to be a very competitive game. I actually – I like Alabama to win. I'm even taking Alabama to cover. I just think that Milton, with Nick Saban uh, and his staff kind of disguising some coverages, I think they'll be able to bait him into some mistakes. And uh, Milton, of course, not handing hooker, and and nor is it fair to expect him to be, but I think ultimately he struggles in this game. May look up and feel completely different later that afternoon but I think that's probably going to be the case. Alabama wins this game and probably doesn't have a lot of anxiety there in the second half. Uh, South Carolina and Missouri. Now, I don't know what to think about this South Carolina team, but I did say one we lost to them, that that was going to be one we looked back and said, you know what, that's a loss we shouldn't have had. And they're 2-4, and and this loss gets kind of worse by the day. You know, it was a competitive game with Florida last week at williams Bryce, and Florida makes a play late. Graham Merch with a nice touchdown throw late to give Florida the win, 41-39. to But this South Carolina defense is just not very good. I mean, you start working through this, and again, you go all the way back to week one. They give up 31 to North Carolina. They give up 21 to Furman. 24 to Georgia, and Georgia just didn't really play that well. State scores 30 on them. Tennessee 41, Florida 41. I think this Missouri offense uh, with Cook under center is kind of finding itself. I think in the end, being at home and then being the more complete team with a lot of confidence. I mean, Missouri's got juice right now. I mean, the big win in Lexington last week, I mean, if you weren't believing on Missouri then, you should be now. They've made me a believer. And yes, their schedule has been somewhat pedestrian. But how do you look at... Overlook that loud win against Kansas State. And then, again, the media darling Kentucky. I think South Carolina's in trouble. I don't think South Carolina can stop Missouri. I think Spencer Rattler can make some plays. I think Missouri takes this game and uh, continues to uh, have a big year. Old Miss at Auburn. This is the Freeze Bowl. I think this actually helps us. And you say, but, Steve, what are you talking about? I remember Jackie Sherrill said years ago that, uh, you know, you, you can't pl- – Coach emotionally week after week after week after week. I mean, you can't go up there and tell your kids, hey, this is the biggest game of the year. Everybody's got to be, you know, on top of everything. And then the next week, do the same thing. You know, you've got to be able to kind of be even killed, kind of that Ron Polk approach, and then got to be able to turn it on. You know as well as I do, this game means a ton to Hugh Freeze and to the players around him. You also know that Ole Miss understands, hey, they're playing for something. You know, they're trying to stay in contention for an SEC West title and potentially go into Alabama. So, uh, excuse me, go into Atlanta. Uh, and, yes, they're behind Alabama and don't hold a tiebreaker. But in order to keep pace, they got to find a way to win this game. I think the main thing – I think if Auburn can win the first quarter, I think it got a shot. But that Auburn defense here as of late has been a little bit suspect. But you know as well as I do, this is one that is more than just a football game. Auburn's 3-3. Three three. They're 0-3 in the conference. But, you know, you look here in recent weeks, I mean, you know, they give up 27 to A&M, only score 10. They did a really good job against Georgia. Now, Georgia didn't play well. And Georgia doesn't even feel like an AFL championship caliber team even the number one. But uh, they're in the ballgame, and Georgia makes the plays late. And then LSU, one of the better LSU offenses we've seen in recent years, puts up 48 points. I just don't think Auburn can score with Ole Miss. Now, of course, Ole Miss against Arkansas, uh, they kind of held the game down, you know. uh, But it'll be an emotional game. And I think emotional games, win or lose, take a real toll on your team. I think Auburn will be up for this. I think ultimately Ole Miss will win. And then all of a sudden you begin to look at the, the fact that Mississippi State's coming in. So if we can win this week, you start thinking, okay, hey, maybe we can go to the Plains and pull something out there. it's not a great Auburn team. They weren't expected to be. But it's one of those deals where I think we can benefit from the fact that I think there's going to be so much of an emotional investment in this game that Auburn could come out flat next week. Now, if they win this week, completely out the window, completely. I just don't think Auburn, in the end, has enough offensive firepower to win against Ole Miss, even if it's not a big shootout, even if it's just one of these games that – you know, gets into the 20s. I just think Auburn's going to struggle. That's not to say that Freeze won't have some new wrinkles dialed up. And uh, I think the crowd will be good. It's a night game. You know, so we'll uh, we'll, we'll watch. And ironically, we'll be pulling for Hugh Freeze. The world is crazy. Final game of the day is Army-LSU. And uh, the spread on this thing is 30 points. I did the math myself. I think it goes all the way back to 18. Uh, Army's been beat by 30 points or more one time since then lsu is going to win this game and i think also too with the open date coming up i think in the second half they'll coast a little bit i think army too with their style of offense will shorten the game a little bit i've seen some people predicting you know 50 60 points from lsu i just don't think so i i don't i I think lsu wins the game and i may look stupid on this but i think army's going to cover it's going to take a nice effort you know, but if, if I look up at the end of the first quarter and it's a 10-7 game, I'm going to feel really good about this pick. Uh, but, again, I think LSU wins this game without any real trepidation and, uh, you know, continues to kind of move forward. You know, I think that's kind of where we are. So, in hindsight, here are your, here are your winners, as much as I hate to say, it, Arkansas, Alabama, Missouri, Ole Miss, LSU. So, Ole Miss is the only road team we're picking to win this week. Is State capable of winning this game against Arkansas? You better believe it. But I think we're going to need their help a little bit. And uh, I just think there's just so many factors when you look at, you know, the changes that State apparently has had to make. Um, now, that could be a good thing, right? I mean, you may go out there and surprise them. And we talk about how good Arkansas has been in the first quarter. If you get a couple of stops and you're able to, let's say State goes up 10 nothing or 10-7 in the first quarter, I think, I think then you start to believe. And uh, the one thing that I've been told all week is that uh, Mike Wright is just a really cool customer. Mike is very relaxed. Mike is not a guy that gets uh, wound up or sped up by the game. He is not going to be intimidated uh, to go in there and play at Arkansas. Uh, this is a guy, obviously, that has, has played several games in his life against SEC opponents. You know, so we'll see how things go. But I think Mike's one of those guys, too, that provides a different element to our offense. That's one of those things you kind of begin to break down and look at, that, that Mike is a guy that – kind of enables us to do some things that maybe perhaps we can't do with Will, and that's not to, you know, to cast any aspersions at Will by any stretch of the imagination. I just think it's one of those deals where the offense is a little more dynamic. When I mean, you're probably going to have a little more sideline-to-sideline side type stuff. I, I think we sprint him out a lot, give him the run-pass option, but um, you're kind of looking at the numbers here. And, uh, you know, Mike uh, was kind of a part-time starter last year, but looking last year, you know, he played against Tennessee. Played against Florida, had a big game against Florida. They win that game, 31-24. Of course, that game was in Nashville. But uh, Mike was 10 of 16 for 108 yards, so death a depth of target, not really big there. Nor will it be for us. And then the week before they beat Florida, so it's not like they snuck up on Florida. Mike and the guys beat Kentucky, and that was a 12 of 23 game for 184 yards. And uh, he didn't have the one pick there, but uh, – also, you know, ran the football exceptionally well against Kentucky. Had a 126 yards rush. We're probably going to need an effort like that in order to win this game. Uh, prior to that, you know, he had a decent game against South Carolina and a loss. They lose at Missouri 17-14. But, um, you know, Mike, uh, decent, decent job offensively. Uh, played sparingly against uh, Ole Miss and Georgia. Had a decent game against uh, – Elon, 18 of 29 for 245 yards and ran for 84. And you go back to last year's home opener when Mike Wright really kind of hit the scene and people were like, this guy's a star. 146 yards passing against Hawaii and 163 yards rushing and uh, two touchdowns. So, so, big day for Mike. So, we're going to need that type of effort for Mike. We're going to need that level of production. We're going to need Mike to be a true dual-threat quarterback. And I think in order to really get this running game going, I think you've got to have the threat of the quarterback run. We are going to run some zone read stuff. We'll run some stretch stuff. There'll be some elements of some of the same things we do under Will. But I think with two weeks to prepare, you're going to see, I won't say a completely different offense, but I think you're going to see us do some things that are a little more uh, maybe in line with what we've seen Mike do at Vanderbilt. I think we give him the ability to, um, to get outside and make some plays. And, I mean, you got to be careful. I mean, you, you can't just, you know, run the guy 25 times a game, you know, because you, you never know. You know, is Will back next week? I, I don't think so, but it, you run the risk of getting Mike banged up this week, and then uh, if Will's not ready to go next week, you really put yourself behind the eight balls. you got you got to go win the game, but you also got to manage the seasons. You can't go out there and call plays recklessly and just kind of put Mike in harm's way. Now, he's a competitor, you know, but uh, I'd like to see Mike get out of bounds rather than uh, – fight for additional yardage and take on those big linebackers, getting downhill on him when they get to the sidelines. So uh, we will see how things uh, progress. But uh, I fully expect Mike uh, to be under center. And if we can get off to a good start, I feel even better about the ballgame, as will you. We're not breaking any news by saying that. But uh, I think this is an Arkansas team that uh, I think all the pressure is on them because I think they feel in many respects their season is on the line. You lose this ball game and then go to the Swamp next week and get beat well, you're already assured of a losing season. You'd be 2-7 and seven at that point. And uh, with three games to play, one of those, of course, uh, you know, a non-conference affair. But, you know, you've still got some big games left to play beyond that, including that game uh, against Missouri, a team that clearly is better than expectations. So, but that's how I see it. And uh, maybe you see it differently. I'd love to come back on Monday and say, you know what, I was wrong i was wrong and i've read some people say i think we're going to get beat really bad i just again when you look at what arkansas has done this year offensively i don't think the numbers lend itself to that type of thinking uh, but we'll see anything's possible especially with our defense hopefully we've uh, shored some things up here in the, in the open date and uh, you know what they want to do you know they want to run the football they haven't been very successful doing that but they also want to run some play action stuff and some RPO stuff and some intermediate passing game. They don't really stretch the field that much, and a lot of that's because they've been unable to really protect the quarterback. Uh, and I think, you know, their pass rush has improved here in recent weeks, and it was great last year. Uh, but I think having the more mobile quarterback neutralizes some of that. And I think at the end of the day, it may boil down to which quarterback can make the best plays improvising when things break down. Will it be KJ? Will it be Mike Wright? We're about to find out. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. And uh, we're already starting to get some inquiries about this. As I've shared many times, how many times do you travel with family and everybody's got to get multiple hotel rooms? And then the cost of all that is just absolutely ridiculous. What if you could rent a really, really nice place, a super nice place where everybody could stay together? You could have your meals together. You could cook. You could order out. You could stock the fridge with your own beer instead of having to go down to a lobby somewhere and pay $7 a beer and have other people kind of, uh, you know, jumping into your conversation. You can pick the games you want to watch, right? Stark Vegas, Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Be sure and Google that. Now, we've got a promo code for you, but you've, in order for this to work, you've got to use it through the Evolve website, and that's BSR10. I get you 10% off. You're going to be amazed at the pictures you see. But uh, it, you can book through Airbnb and you can book through, um, you know, uh, Verbo, but the code doesn't work. So you got to go through Evolve uh, to get the 10% off, the, the BSR10. So uh, it's the old, um, old clubhouse there at the golf course, and it's at 2 Sterling Drive. And again, I just encourage you, Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse. The thought to me, like this weekend, you know, we're headed to Arkansas, and all the family's coming in. And, uh, you know, you know how it is, especially when you're parents. You you love to have everybody under one roof, right? Especially when there's kids involved. That way, if somebody gets up and starts making breakfast, I mean, you know, the grandkids can get up and go do that. Mom and dad can sleep in a little bit, you know. But if if you're doing it at a hotel room, it's completely different. Not to mention it's so much more expensive, and you know, this huge fire pit area in the back, and of course there's a, a couple of wet bars in there. So no matter what you need, no matter what you're looking for, whether you're coming for a ballgame weekend or maybe you're working in town, right? Maybe you've got, you're have got you bringing a team in. Maybe you're doing something on Mississippi State campus, your business proposals, or you're just working the Golden Triangle and you'd like to have your team centrally located. This is going to be a very economical and a very, very practical solution for you it's the stark vegas clubhouse be sure and google that and uh, use the evolve site promo code bsr10 bsr10 only through evolve for the stark vegas clubhouse all right so um let's jump on board here the uh new mississippi state commitment we picked it up yesterday uh, ashawn Shepard, originally from brandon high school uh, now by way of east mississippi community college Uh, Been hearing that he was on the verge of committing now for about two weeks. And then just Wednesday, I was told that uh, he might just wait and do it on his official visit. I think he was kind of encouraged. It's like, hey, if you know, listen, let's kind of help us get some juice here. And uh, he decided to go ahead and make the move and uh, knows Will Rogers, calls Will Rogers his guy. Uh, Looking through the offer list here. And, uh, you know, covered this with him yesterday, just to be sure. But, uh, of course, Mississippi State, Jacksonville State, McNeese State, Nickel State, Southern Miss, UAB, West Virginia, Western Kentucky. West Virginia always, always, always mining the uh, Mississippi Junior College ranks. So just the two power five offers there. Uh, what I would say about Ashon is that he is a piece, right? Uh, when you look at the, what, we're, what we're losing – on the defensive line this year, uh, you're going to have to have some depth. You're going to have to bring in some guys that can compete to settle a uh, two-deep depth chart. And State's going to probably sign about a dozen or more junior college or transfer portal players here in the in the next couple months. And so I've read some mixed reviews about A'shaun Shepard from some of our fans, many of which have never seen him play. Uh, but I, I do like to get – I do think it's important to kind of get something going here, to kind of get – uh, the ball rolling here, and also it enables you to kind of build up some uh, a sense of urgency with some of the other players that, uh, that you're recruiting. Now, we're going to bring in some other guys. Of course, uh, you know, one of his teammates, uh, Sean Washington, uh, signed with Georgia. We do think LSU is probably the leader, but uh, they're both expected to visit Mississippi State the weekend of December the 8th. Of course, Tyler Woodard. Currently committed to Mississippi State, expected to come in that same weekend. I think it's going to be a big JUCO weekend for us. i got some guys coming in on the first and some guys coming in that second weekend. But uh, we're kind of navigating through this, learning new names as we go. And there will be more new names, and we're getting them every day. It seems like every time I turn around, I'm getting a text or a call from somebody within the network and saying, hey, I just want to let you know I just added a Mississippi State offer to this particular profile. Uh, We compare some notes, and we uh, try to produce them as bones over on the site. It gives us an idea of who we should interview. And so, A'shaun Shepard's a guy that we've been aware of for some time. Now he's part of the team. You know, now we get ready to kind of move forward. And uh, got a couple years of eligibility left, and and, uh, he'll come join the Bulldog roster and tells me he can't wait to be a Bulldog. Uh, But there's a lot more out there, sure. And we talked about, uh, you know, Sean Washington's a guy originally from Warren Easton High School in Metro New Orleans, signed with Georgia, uh lsu appears to be the favorite there but uh you know we'll see you know supposedly he's going to come on this official visit with uh tyler woodard and and Aishon, and we'll you know we'll see how things go but there will be some new names emerge a lot of people have said steve why are we going to junior college ranks when we can use the portal well i think there's a couple reasons why number one this year you've seen a few more d1 bounce backs in the juco for one reason or another Uh, There is some talent there. Is there the same level of talent there was before the portal? No, I don't agree with that. I do think there are some really good players, and apparently the University of Georgia does as well because uh, we're offering many of the same players they are. LSU has offered some guys uh, in the the junior college ranks too. So I think part of it is, you know, number one, and we've had some great success in the past with junior college players, but it's been a mixed bag. And I think because of the fact this year – You need some guys that can come in, guys that maybe you've known for a while, Like a guy like A'shaun Shepard. He's a guy that state recruited at a high school. He just uh, ultimately had to take the junior college route. And so now he comes in again, and, again, he's a piece. We don't expect to build a defense around him. We just expect him to come in here and compete and be a solid two-deep guy for us. But uh, we have some massive needs along the defensive line. And when you begin to think about Calvin Dinkins, you know, when you begin to think about Trevion Wiggins, both of those guys have had major injuries this year. You know, are they going to be ready to go next year? We hope. You know, we hope. And you're going to have to be careful with them in the spring, you know. But you got to have some guys to help you get through spring practice and hopefully provide some depth. And we're going to need some difference makers too. We're not just in this business to go out there and try to find backup. We've got to find guys and come in here and make a difference in our program. Uh, Jaden Cromerty is going to be gone next year. Nathan Pickering is going to be gone next year. Demonte Russell has a COVID year available, and, and perhaps he'll use it. You know, but uh, when you start working through all of this, you begin to realize uh, that defensive front for the Bulldogs, that has got a lot of veteran players this year, is going to be pretty thin next year. And the guys that you had hoped that were going to be your two deepers this year and your starters next year, a couple of those guys are hurt. So, yes, it makes perfect sense for us to do this. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, let's go get guys in the portal. Well, I think you got to use every resource you have. You'll get the best possible players you have. And you look at our batting average on the portal, especially this year, Hasn't been very good. You know, for every Makai Polk, you know, there's probably five or six other guys that just kind of make a nominal contribution uh, to the program. And so whether it's a missed evaluation, uh, whether it, you know, the player himself is just not picking it up, I don't know. But I know that you're going to see more junior college names in the weeks to come. And then when the portal window opens after the season is over, we're going to you know, be very active at that market, too. I think when it's all said and done, State will have, uh, I don't know, 13, 14 players, either from the junior college ranks or the NCAA transfer portal. I think that's what you should go ahead and expect for. It. And, and I, I share that, and we've talked about that multiple times on the show. With the schedule we have next year and the roster attrition we're going to have, uh, just through graduation in and of itself is enough to say we've got to go out and get some older players so we can be competitive next year. And you start looking to this in the totality of the situation, you know, Zach Arnett year one has not been what we had hoped. And it sounds so silly to say that at times, but that's the reality of it. You know, we were hoping to be four and two at this point. We're three and three. And again, that bad loss on the road at South Carolina, Right. But it's more about how we played. But when you begin to think about, okay, let's, let's, let's say we go – let's say we get to six and six. Let's say we get to seven and five. And then next year, against a, a very challenging schedule, let's say you don't get Bo eligible. I think if you're Arnett, then you're, you're really in trouble. You know, there are a lot of people already kind of calling for his head six games into his tenure, which I think is way too premature. But when you begin to think about what you're facing next year – You've got to make some personnel decisions that enable you to be more competitive. You, you can't have back-to-back mediocre or bad years and expect to hang around. I think we all see it for what it is. You know, one thing that I'd said at the beginning of the year, I expected us to have a really good year this year. And I people are like, "Oh, I'm thinking six and six, seven and five. And I said back then, I said, "If we go six and six and seven and five without a major injury, then we probably have hired the wrong guy." And I think now that we're three and three, you begin to kind of look at that and, and ask yourself, you know. And listen, I get it. Yeah, we all want the same things as to win. And there are some people that are very outspoken uh, in their beliefs. And what, more times than what happens is a lot of people that, that really want to say, hey, let's just be patient here. Uh, you know, it's just six games. Let Zach work his way through it. You know, the, the anti-Arnett folks, the ones that are pro-coaching change, are gonna, they're going to argue you down and say, we can't let our program drop off the cliff and into the abyss. That's true. And there are other people that say, well, you know, it's we're six games into this thing. It's far too early to make the decision. That's true, too. And so, but what happens is those that are out there that are like, hey, let's stay the course, they're not going to get out there and respond. They're, they're not going to be, you know, very vocal because they get shouted down. But I can tell you there are a lot of people behind the scenes, despite what you may hear, that say, you know what, we just got to stay the course here. Now, our business is relying on Mississippi State being successful. I mean, you don't like when we're losing. You don't really want to listen to the show. You know, you'll listen when it's coaching change. You'll listen when we're winning big. Listen, we're previewing the season, right? But the reality of it is, is you don't want to associate yourself when things aren't going well. It's just kind of how things are. So you don't subscribe, you don't buy Mississippi State merchandise, you don't, you, know, you don't do any of those things. So everything that we do is very reliant. And, you know, I, I shared to somebody recently, like business, coaching changes are good for business. I mean, you remember how much, you know, if, if you were a Jeans Page subscriber, you realize how much traction we got during the, uh, the assistant coaching hires, you know, how much that was going on. You know, we had a ton of that. And so change is good for business. Uh, but nothing matters more than winning. And you know, when you win, people are like, they want to be a part of this. They want to read everything they get. Guys, we're doing, you know, 10 and 12 stories a day right now. You know, baseball, basketball, men's and women's and football. You know, we, we've got an army of people, and we're producing an army load of content. Uh, it's a lot easier to get your content received when your football team is winning. So we need to win, Period. It needs to start this weekend. I hope it can. But I think that one of the important aspects of every bit of this is that, um, and we've had some injuries, but I think the, the bigger issue uh, is the fact that uh, I think that we probably rushed the transition offensively. And, you know, Leach did the same thing. Right when Leach got here, it's like, you know what, hey, I know what you guys ran in the past, I'm doing what I do. And I think when you're Mike Leach, maybe you can afford to do that a little bit. But I don't know that if we shouldn't have been a little more gradual, uh, even with Leach and with now. But the, the biggest thing to me is the recruiting misses that have preceded this. And, and the first thing that, you know, again, the anti-Arnett crowd will jump on there and say, oh, well, you know, Arnett recruited all these guys. Uh, that's not necessarily true. You know, the way that we had the system set up before, Dave Emmerich and those guys had to kind of have to sign off. And there were guys that our defensive coaches wanted to offer that they were not allowed to offer because of the way that we had all this bureaucracy set up. And so we've got some players. We don't have enough players. We've had some players leave. And many of those players have gone somewhere else and hadn't done anything there either. So, again, that speaks to evaluation. We've got to do a better job there. Well, speaking of good evaluations, Mississippi State with a huge baseball recruiting win on yesterday is Richie Swain from Missouri picks your Bulldogs over a host of offers. His final three were Arkansas, Missouri, and Mississippi State took official visits to all – maybe not official, but he took visits to all three places, met with staffs, uh, got the offers, and uh, picked Mississippi State primarily because of Justin Parker. You can go read that article right now for free over jeanspage.com. we still got a couple other recruits we got to catch up with. Uh, There's one that I'll I'll speak with on on Sunday. Um, But this Richie Zwing kid, he has an edge about him. It's a competitive edge, and I don't mean he comes across cocky. Like he made mention that he can't wait to pitch in front of our crowds because he thinks that will – only stoked the fires of competitiveness even more. His exact quote was, I think I could be pretty dangerous in front of that crowd. Uh, how many times when you look in recent years have we had guys that kind of shied away from the moment, where the moment appeared to be too big for them? I mean, you can do the math yourself. I mean, you cannot win in the Southeastern Conference with guys that won't compete in his own. You just can't. You've got to have guys that are willing to compete and guys that are willing to go out there and put their stuff up there and say, you know what, this is what we're doing. And if you hit it, you hit it. But we're going to go out here and compete. I'm not giving you a free pass. And that's what we've always talked about, walks and walks and hit by pitches. Now, that's part of baseball. But we got to reduce that. And typically, guys that go out there and have that competitive fire, guys that, um, that understand – what a home field advantage feels like, guys that understand what it takes to go out there, what it does mentally to the hitter to be able to use that to themselves, that they're cheering for you, not against you. And then in times you go on the road and they are cheering against you, but you've got to have some mental fortitude. And uh, with all due respect to everybody that's ever come through the Mississippi State baseball program, there have been some times we have lacked the intestinal fortitude to get things done. I like guys that want the baseball. I like guys that want to be in the big moment. I don't want guys that just want to have a T-shirt and a hat. You know, they walk around, you know, well, I was on team for a semester. I don't want those dudes. And this is a guy that's going to be a draft risk. I'm just going to kind of lay it out there for you. Right-hand side, throw a 94. And uh, I got this information from a friend. Already 2,700 spin rate on a slider. Could easily be a 3,000 RPM slider in time when he's throwing 95, 96. You got to go sign these guys. You do. You have to. And, you know, we've been able to get some of these guys to come to school. It's a big-time comm- commitment. And, again, uh, final three of Arkansas-Missouri. And uh, any time that we beat Arkansas head-to-head for a kid, especially in their recruiting footprint like Missouri, it's a big deal. And you attribute a lot of that to Justin Parker. And there were so many people out there, that you know, that, Gave up on a Justin Parker hire. And I go back, I think about that so many times. I had some people tell me he just didn't think this year was the right year to make a move. And then all the things, that, all the unrest at South Carolina, you know, where they were going to leave, go to Miami. Parker wasn't interested in going to Miami. But there's all this stuff going on in the backdrop. And I'll never forget, I say that, as long as Justin Parker's here, I won't forget this. I had a friend of a friend that said, hey, this, this isn't over. Thing. This thing with Parker isn't over yet. You know, and it's like it felt like State was about to make a, a hire. It didn't work out. And we went full bore after Justin Parker, and we get him. And every time that I interview these kids that are coming here to pitch, whether it be transfers or whether it be high school players, whatever, the first thing that they mention is just Justin Parker. It just does things a little bit differently. You know, that he's really big into physical development. Uh, he is a guy that wants to recruit players that have a certain level of mental toughness and that he is a guy that just really you know, wants to go get you know, war horses and ride them to Omaha rather than just, hey, let's go get a developmental kid. And there's a developmental piece with every baseball player and every student athlete that ever makes a jump from high school to college. But I think when you start getting guys that are getting pro potential and pro scouts are beginning to show them some interest, I think those are the kids you got to go get. You know, we can't just go out of here and go get, hey, well, you know, well, you know this kid, you know, he, he grew up in Nettleton – and uh, he had been a Bulldog fan his whole life, man, his fans, his family season ticket holders, and we got to go get that kid, man. You know, listen, that, that used to be the case. wasn't always the case, but it used to be the case. Now, it's one thing to take that kid as a walk-on, but in order for us to get to where we want to go, we got to stop treating this thing like it's a Boy Scout's. Well, nobody will, you know, nobody will, will want to wear that M over S more than this kid. You know, l- let me tell you this. And I got, I got a kid of my own that played college baseball somewhere else. And uh, would have, I can assure you, it would have never, wearing the M over S would never have been a bigger deal to anybody than him. It'd be a bunch of people that shared that enthusiasm. But, you know, he comes up here and he comes to camp and does things and it didn't work out. So you move on. So we can't recruit like we did years ago where, well, you know, there's this donor's kid and we're just going to let him walk on and wear it. he'll at least he'll get to wear the uniform. I, you know, I, I don't want those kids either. I, I don't. And I know that may hurt some feelings. I, I don't want them. I don't want anybody to be able to buy their way onto our baseball team. Because with the roster limits these days, I think everybody that's going to compete, everybody that is in that uniform has to be able to compete and make this team better period you can't say okay well this is the you know we're going to school with these 20 guys and the rest of these guys we'll just fill these things out and you know maybe they'll make a donation to the nil no no that's not going to work um and and you guys know i'm I'm envious of lsu i am i am i I, we should be what they are they've out recruited us and in many respects they have put us an infrastructure together that is superior to ours we have the better stadium it's not close uh, they had got some very rabid fans, too. And, and, again, a lot of them only show up when it's a big ball game weekend. We beat them in that respect. Um, but the way that they recruit, you know, they're willing to go out there and fence back and forth with major league teams. And Lamones has been willing to do that a little more than some other teams, some other coaches in our past half. But, uh, you know, we've got to fill our roster with war daddies in every aspect. We, and I think this is Richie Swain thing is a big, big – step in that direction. This is a caliber of, of pitchers that Justin Parker uh, is going after and winning. And you go beat Dave, Dave Van Horn head-to-head for a kid that actually lives closer to Fayetteville than he does to Starkville, uh, that's a big deal. It is. All right, let's get ready to get out of here. Uh, another update to when the bottom falls uh, will be finished production November 9th. They will ship to madison i will sign them they will then go to you so we're you know we're, we're less than 30 days out now from it being in your mailbox uh it's been it's been frustrating and again things beyond your control but it's my name on the book so people contact me you know um so that's the information if you if you haven't ordered you can go ahead and order now you know when it's going to be here i know some people ordered like as soon as the book got finished um and so i appreciate your patience and your support uh, but when the bottom falls will be officially released here in just a few weeks in the month of november and uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to reading your reviews. And, uh, of course, I've been doing a lot of recovery-related speaking engagements, uh, and we'll do a bunch more as we get into the holiday season. Uh, hopefully, I can make it to December 10th. If I live long enough to make it to December 10th, I'll be uh, clean and sober 32 years. And so I feel like I've learned a few things along the way that I could share with other people. Uh, while you're at that website, whenthebottomfalls.com, you can order all my sports books there, Flim Flam, Alpha Dog, Stark Villains, and Dog Pile. And uh, that's a great Christmas gift. I know many of you, well, Steve, I got Flim Flim. And it's what's always interesting to me. People say, I got your book. Which one? Oh, I didn't know you wrote but one. No, I've written six now. Uh, So you can get caught up there and we'd certainly appreciate that. I know there's some Bulldog fans in your life that don't have Dogpile that would love to have it. I think every Bulldog fan deserves to have a copy of Dogpile. We won the NAFL championship. And you've got an actual documentation of the event as it happened. From start to finish through the season. You get to ride the entire season up and down. It's not just what happened at Omaha. It's everything that happened over the course of the season. I saved every interview from the season, just in case. And this time it paid off. Uh, Come join us over at jeanspage.com. And, of course, Stark Villains gear available at starkvillains.com. It's always a nice gift idea as well. And uh, come join our merry band of misfits over at jeanspage.com. You get one month for a buck. Come try us out. Uh, and again that'll get you into november and uh i think you'll probably want to stick around uh, nobody providing more mississippi state content than we are ever ever be sure and come check us out hey i'm gonna get dressed and we're gonna get on the road and of course i'm later leaving than i want to be but uh, such is life you guys have a great weekend we'll see you on the other side when we get back Uh, From Fayetteville, Arkansas. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day.